0: You're listening to Rare Gems with Jen. Listen as she discovers and connects with folks from all walks of life. Join her as she explores personal stories, connects on shared struggles, and of course, inserts her inappropriate jokes. Be ready to shine a light on some rare
1: gems that will inspire, challenge, and even intimidate you. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Pluma.
0: We're finally recording. Hi, Festus. How are you today?
1: Hey, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Jen.
0: No, of course. Thank you for joining me on this uh early Saturday morning.
1: <laughs> yeah, de- def- definitely. You know, for me, uh, with little kids, that's pretty much the only time I kind of get uh is when they're when they're down. So they'll be up soon.
0: No, <laughs> yeah, of course. How many kids do you have?
1: Uh two, two boys, three <gasps> and four years old.
0: oh my god they're babies
1: yeah yeah they're in that whole toddler phase of hitting each other and uh you know um rough play and telling and tattling and you know all that good stuff so
0: yeah of course and so you met your wife here in houston
1: uh i did yes yes
0: nice nice um and so it makes me think back to your family um it makes me think to the organization that you're working on and the impact that you know, your kids now have on that and how that I guess influences you or even inspires you. But before we get into mm-hmm. all that, I wanted to talk about, you know, and I know you have a very strong story. When you and I met, um, for the listeners, I met Festus through how did we met? Through through Wes.
1: Correct. Correct. Yes. Jessica by way. Jessica by way of Wes, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So I was in a place, um, I think this was back in, it was last year, maybe October, November kind of time. Um, I was looking to transition out of the school and I was looking at other you know, opportunities, job searching online. And then um, I connected with Jessica and I know Jessica through the Wolf Center, so through the University of Houston. And then Jessica connected me to Wes and then Wes and I really bonded on education, on my mission. And then he said, you know what? I have the perfect person I want you to meet. And that's how you and I came into, into contact.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for those who are hearing for the first time, Wes runs a incubator slash accelerator called, uh, now it's called Headway Idea Labs. It used to be called uh, Fruition Tech Labs. And so... Um, basically they help, uh, startups bring their idea to, uh, reality. And so, um, so yeah, I've been with Wes, uh, since about, I've known him since about 2017. And then we actually got started working on things 2018.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's been a minute then mm-hmm. you two have known each yeah. other. And how did that connection yeah. come about?
1: So, um, so, uh, I, I wrote my book, first book, uh, Laddering Your Success, and um, after writing that book, there was a, a non-pro. Well, I guess you could say a nonprofit organization called uh, Young African Professionals, and so they had kind of a meet and greet, and they were looking for people to speak about stuff that they're doing, and uh, you know, three or four people were like, "Hey, you know, talk about this book you're you're you know you wrote." And so I'm like, OK, let me go talk about the book. And so uh, he was, Wes was the keynote speaker at mm-hmm. that event. And so, so I, I talked about my book. And then after I talked about my book, he gave his presentation, which was on technology and purpose-driven technology and, uh, you know, kind of changing the future and stuff. And so I said, OK, well, yeah, let me go ahead and uh, talk to him. So after he finished speaking, you know how it is. There's always a line. And so, um, so, so I (laughs) happened to have a copy of the book on me at that time. And I said, Hey, you know, here you go. Um, let me know what you think about this. And, and then, uh, and then we met for breakfast and then we just kind of hit it off from there. Yeah. We just kind of hit it off from there.
0: Yeah. I love that. So you started off as a book and tell me more about this book. So laddering your success. I know now, um, I've, connected with, you know, laddering your success and I have worked under this nonprofit, you know, working in writing curriculum and such. Um and, and more like a startup, honestly, not less of a nonprofit, more like a startup.
1: Yeah, we consider ourselves a social profit, right? We consider ourselves oh, I love that. A a company that wants to make money and do good at the same time. Of and, course. And and we're more about the impact than we are about the profit you know, and, and, and that's, and that's tough. It's tough. Um, but yeah, let me, let me kind of explain. So, um so part of my real motivation for starting laddering success was um, uh, my parents passed away while I was in high school. And um, my mom passed away my freshman year. And then my dad passed away uh, my junior year that like the summer, the summer of my junior year uh, before my, before my junior year. So in that, um, it, it really left me struggling, um, and, um, trying to kind of figure out what's next in life and all those things. And, you know, it's just a young teen battling with, you know, kind of depression and, uh, you know, just direction. And, um, and so, you know, kind of fast forward a little bit, um, you know, high school graduation came, and then it's like, you know, your friends are like, oh, I'm going off to college. or I'm going off to this. I'm going off to do that. And you're like, what am I going to do? You know? And so, um, and so, uh, so for me, I was like, well, look, I don't got no money for college. Um, I ended up getting a, my knee injured cause I was pretty good at football, but, um, but I, I was undersized. That was the big thing. And so, um, and so it was just like, OK, after I got my my knee injury, it was like, OK, I can't play football anymore because I don't have health insurance. I can't afford surgery. And it was a pretty serious injury. It was a, a, a PCL tear. Um, and so my knee was very unstable for years. Uh, so long story short, I did what, you know, anybody else does in the hood, you know, sell drugs or go to go to the army, right? So, so I didn't sell drugs. Yeah, I did I didn't sell okay. drugs. So anyway,
0: <laughs> so, uh,
1: so no, so, so yeah, so we went to the army, uh, joined the army reserves, uh, out of high school. And, um, the reserves was kind of like a, I felt a good balance for me because I had two younger sisters I had to take care of, even though they were in Nigeria, it was just like, okay, I kind of needed to be around friends and familiar people to try to reach out to them, so on and so forth. And so, uh, so yeah, so so that gave me a chance to kind of work and send money to them because you know, our parents, you know, they were in first and, first and third grade when my mom passed. And mm-hmm. then they went to Nigeria to stay with my dad, and then he passed while they were over there, you know. And so um, so yeah, so uh so as I came back from the military, I seen my friends like slowly dropping out of college or, Hey, no, I don't go to that school anymore. I go to this school, you know, type thing. And you're, you're like, why did they switch schools? Cause uh, to me, it was just totally confusing about college. Like the whole process like yeah. of higher, higher ed was like, okay, what's the difference between a college and a university? And, mm-hmm. you know, again, you know, you got these community colleges, but they all suck. You know, that's what was in my mind, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then it's like, okay, I just, you know, kind of want this high paying job that everybody talks about you get when you go to college, mm-hmm. not knowing what career path, what career choice, none of those things, right? That all matter. Right. And so, so, so I would just kind of take note and I'm a big vicarious learner and I would say, man, how, how come this person dropped out? What, what happened to that person? And then, um, I just really started, um, uh i i really got into to, to youth ministry and i was doing youth ministry at, mm-hmm. at uh, my church and then we had a bunch of kids who were all getting graduated at the same time now i started going to community college at this time and so i'm taking like two classes here two classes there two classes mm-hmm. here like whenever i'm in town uh you know not doing military duty and stuff like that and so it's like it's just like a grind this whole like, college process is super grind yeah and so so basically uh, it took me 10 years to get my bachelor's degree. It took, it, it, it took me six to get an associate's with a two-year degree, right? Uh, and then and uh, and then it, it ultimately finished about 10 years for my bachelor's. But I'm, I'm looking at these kids and they're from, you know, the neighborhood I'm from and stuff, it, you know, A-Leaf, shout out to A-Leaf, you know, uh, and so it's like, man, what can I do to help these kids? So we put together a conference called School Days and it was D-A-Z-E, and so mm-hmm. we brought in different speakers to talk about different topics and stuff like that about college and career readiness. And so, as I was trying to get this little conference together because I never held a conference before, right? Like I'm the kid from the hood, like undereducated, and then uh, and man, it was that was tough. I, mean, I don't. That's a whole story in itself. But anyway, <laughs> so then, so so then after we did this conference, we did it two years in a row. I was like. This is a real problem. Like there's a lot of people who don't know what to do next in their life. And they struggle because it's like you need some basic foundational things to even make the decision. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people think, oh, yeah, you just go to college and then you'll figure it out. And it's like, no, you need some foundational identity things to 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 make that next step. Right. Because if you don't know who you are, you don't know where you're going. If I said, you know, I'm a baker, you say you work in a bakery because the identity of a baker belongs in a bakery. It's just that simple. Right. Mm -hmm. But for some reason in the American education system and now I'm starting to think it's more on purpose than anything else because of everything that's manifested. And um, you see you see what happens with student loans and people owe the government student loans. And that's just a way for the government to get additional income uh, Mm -hmm. outside of taxes. But. So 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 anyway, so I wrote down like a lot of these experiences and the research I did to put the conference together and the things that I heard. And for me personally, because I was a vicarious learner, um, I'm also looking at what happened to my friends and and whatnot, and I'm writing these things down. And so this thing just kind of took over. And I know this is a long story. No,
0: no, 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 please. I'm resonating with a lot of it. Like just hearing you speak on your own experience, I think about mine and even about that, that simple quote, right? Which, I mean, it's not so simple when you really think about it. If you don't know, if you don't know who you are, you don't know where you're going. And I had to process that for myself and be like, okay, well, when I was in college, I decided to go into a business major because that's what I mm. saw my mom do. Now, did wow. I know where I was going to end up? No, I did yeah. not. I ended yeah. up in education. Now, if I had backwards plan, if I had been like, you know what? I know where I want to go. So that yeah. means this is where I need to start. Now, if I had gone and known that I want to be in education, I probably would have majored in, I don't know, ed- education, psychology, something that I would have wanted because business yeah. wasn't what I wanted, honestly. Wow
1: wow 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 and th- and that's it for a lot of people is that you know you just start off and you're just going and you're going and you know and so so this is kind of why and how I put together the book was like look at what your family's doing because that there you there's keys to success in what your family's doing because if they're good at it right then more than likely you're probably even good going to be good at it right just by default right Because because you've experienced it so much. And so so anyway, all these little these little basic things, I took them, I put them together. And what I did to write this book um, was while I was in while I was in school, I was just like any essay they give me. I'm just gonna write on the same topic. You know what I mean? And so I started writing bits and pieces. You know how you, you know, when you're in college, they have you write all these dumb essays. Mm-hmm. I would just take bits and pieces. They're not dumb. They're they're good because they help formulate the way you think. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, but so so I formulate bits and pieces till, till yeah, I had a lot of the bulk of what I wanted to write. And so, um, and so uh we talk about uh seven different areas that people need to be successful and the funny part was i didn't read any success books at the time i Mm -hmm. literally just looked at people's lives and Mm -hmm. tried to listen to patterns in their lives and Mm so um financial social vocational educational health spiritual and cultural are the seven areas people need to be successful in or then they need to navigate and Mm -hmm. and before they could even navigate in those areas um um, they they really need to understand the system that they're in, and they need to find mentorship. And so those are kind of like some of the key components of uh, the volume one uh, book, the vo- uh, the vo- volume one version of the book, um, which I'm cu- I'm currently writing volume two. Uh, Hence, oh wow all yeah all this computer issues yeah I'm, I'm like i'm like building a company trying to write another person of, of a book having kids uh, you know no so anyway, i love
0: it Hey, so, you gotta so, do what you gotta do but so, let me yeah, um so. let me ask you something because writing a book in itself it's it's, it's an accomplishment i hear you yeah. And the fact that, and you know, you tell me, oh yeah, I have a book written. You send it over to me. I had to read it before we started joining into like the next step, you know, in my journey with LYS. By the way, all uh, LYS ladder your success. Um, and so I, I read the book. I personally have read the book. Um, it's very faith based, which I was not expecting. It's not bad, but I loved it, and I wish mm-hmm. I could have read something like this back in high school even mm-hmm. then in college, while I was in college to know, hey, this is, it's literally a step-by-step in some cases. Some chapters are step-by-step, find this person, find a mentor, ask these questions, write this down, like very tangible things that you can do as opposed to like, you know, take a step back. And, and those books are great, but these were step-by-steps where coming from a community, coming from a family where you don't got time to waste, you need a step-by-step. You can't just, you know, sit around for a week and think about and process. I, I, at least I felt like I didn't have that time. Right. Um, But let me touch on this real quick. So you wrote a book. How was that process? How was, I know you talked about how you grabbed essays from, you know, little bits and pieces from the essays, but how did you find a like? How did you go in through, like publishing, how, like distributing? How I'm I'm curious, honestly. So, so,
1: so yeah, absolutely. So um, so my uh, so again, I I'm, I'm a big believer in in mentorship, and so you know, as as a Christian, they you know they practice something called discipleship, or we practice something called discipleship, in which in which somebody's actually supposed to kind of walk through life with you, and that doesn't always happen, unfortunately. Uh, which I think leads to a lot of confusion sometimes because when you're studying things by yourself and you're, it's, it's kind of like doing a course with no teacher. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, okay, what, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Who sets the syllabus? So, uh, so anyway, um, so yeah, so again, I'm, I'm a big believer in, 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 in mentorship and what happened was I knew I wanted to write the book, but I had no clue how, because I only had one friend obviously come from a leaf had who had ever written and published anything. And so he self-published. And
0: mm-hmm. so he was
1: like, yo, like, and he would do these little books. and And the way he wrote them was he just said, Hey man, I want you to write a chapter. In my book that i'm doing i'm like okay jesus like just write about your life you know mm-hmm. and so i wrote about my life i gave it to him and then like six months later he's like yo here's the book <laughs> and i'm like what in the world and so so he showed me a couple things he's like "Yo, yeah you can go to lulu.com this is a gem for anybody and you could self-publish through lulu and so i'm like hmm that's interesting you know so i'll hold that little gem right there right mm-hmm. and then so uh, again, I had elements of the book, but I had I, I never put a book together. And so uh, one of my professors who ended up being, uh, a, again, a mentor to me was like, hey, you know, uh, what do you what do you what do you you know, everybody kind of ask you around that graduation time, what are you doing next in life? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, I don't know. Now, again, kind of backtrack to my personal story. Um, my sisters had came back from Nigeria and I was basically raising my sisters and we were all in college at the same time. So we, 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 it was like party of five for those who remember party of five, the TV show <laughs> in the 90s. Like, this was like party of f- four slash three because we basically bought a house in Katie against total God thing. And like, we're the four of us are like living in this house, no parental guidance. And I'm 23. And then I got like, uh, what was Vicky? Vicky was like 18. And then Christine's like 16, <laughs> 16, 17. Right. And so it's like we're just figuring out life and all going to college. In this house, right? And so uh we're all going to Houston Community College. And so um, so the professor, was like, what are you doing next? Well, at that time, I'd gotten married and I was, you know, my sisters had moved out. And so this was the first time in my life I wasn't responsible for anybody. And so I was mm. like, dang. And so I told him the thing about writing this book. So he's like, Oh, let me show you a couple websites. So he showed me um, a guy by the name of Pat Flynn, and then he showed me a guy by the name of, uh, oh, my goodness, uh, Michael Hyatt. And so um, so Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt, those were like two key uh, like influencers for me because they really talked about business from like baby steps. Long story short. I said, wait, let me grab this gem from Lulu. Michael Hyatt talked about publishing. So then, because uh, he was uh he was a, a, a CEO of a publishing company, so I mixed those two together, and then I said, Okay, you know what? Uh <laughs> this is crazy. So then I hired a guy who used to tutor me on 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 the college, day. you know, you know I have the yeah. tutorials. Yeah, so he used <laughs> to tutor me for free. And I'm like, yo, I'm writing this book. You know, it's because he would he would go over my essays. And so i be like, yo, would you uh, review this for me and edit it? And he's like, yeah, I bet. So um, so so we came up with a little contract, you know, what I'm saying and then he edited the book for me. And then after he edited it for me, I got uh I got it printed and then I took took it and went to like 10 or 15 people. And I I printed like a basic copy of the book and Mm -hmm. then I gave it to people who, you know, they had kids in college and, you know, they had kids in high school. And I'm like, hey, read this book. Give me some feedback. And so they did. And then I got all that feedback and then I re-edited the book. Um, I took the longest way around around this. But there there were some key crucial steps that um, that I that I learned then that are good business practices but I didn't know because I didn't study business right mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. like Jen did and so 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 anyway so through Lulu self-publishing and uh, some upwork guys and then from uh, from you know kind of uh, these guys and tutorials and stuff I got the book written Would I do it the same way eh, probably not I was uh, about to
0: ask what's one thing you would change if you if you had one or two things you would change
1: I, I would definitely systematize it much more um because i think business is about systems Mm. and um if you if you that's you own the system you own the business and so by hodgepodging it together it took it took a lot longer um Mm. to get it done and then the second part was um even though i I, for a first book it's pretty good quality you know what i mean and i was listening to uh something from uh uh, John Maxwell the other day, and he was talking about his first book, uh, and he was like, "Oh, it's like 145 pages." I'm like, "I beat you! I got 148." <laughs> you no, know? so, uh, so so yeah, so that was that was that was pretty much it in a nutshell.
0: Oh man, I love that! I love that. Um, I actually, so on this same uh podcast, what I do, and sometimes I like do episodes of myself and just like of topics that I and in, that interest me in something and topics that I have a passion for. Um and then on other episodes I talk to, you know, guests such as yourself. And so I had an episode the other day on like journaling. And I am an avid journaler. I love to write. I love to put my thoughts in a piece of paper. Um typing, like anything, I just love to put my thoughts, whatever's in head in my head, in, in, in a piece of paper, right? And um in that episode I was sharing with everyone um that I I guess I've, I've, and I've never really shared with anyone, um, but I have a, right now it's a dream. I don't know if if I'll say it's a goal, um, but I do have a dream of, of writing my own book. Now, what is it going to be about? I don't know. I have no, I, I don't have a topic. I don't have the, anything right now that comes to mind, but that's definitely something I would love to accomplish in my lifetime. Um, so just hearing you say that and like the process of it, what you would change, and it's definitely inspiring. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And and, uh, again, like the gem of Lulu is the fact that I didn't know this, but it's actually one of the world's biggest publishers. And so, you know, a lot of people, uh, one of the people who mentor who mentored me, um, uh, he actually works at a radio station and he had written like five books. And so he's like, yo, like this, 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 he's giving me some really good game. And so he had gotten some published through publishers, and he had self-published as well. So we mm-hmm. kind of had this conversation about like, okay, what's the difference? And the funny thing is, if if you're not a big sought-after person, right, where like, oh, you know, you're famous, mm-hmm. then then the publishers, um, most of the like smaller local publishers, are really doing a lot of the stuff that you could do yourself,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Like they're they're just getting your contacts to. Do a launch party. And they're like, "Hey, we're going to help you set up your launch party." Mm-hmm. Um, they're setting up distribution, which nowadays um, through CreateSpace or uh, mm-hmm. uh, which which is owned by Amazon now they they you know they bought that um, mm-hmm. th- that's your distribution. So a lot of the things you could actually do yourself in order to get it done. And I, I would I would say um, you kind of don't need a topic, but you kind of do because maybe you start with a collection of essays. And you mm. just say, hey, you know, you write, you know, 10 different essays and then you just have like a small book on it, you know, you know, Jen's essays, you know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. And, you know, just start there because, you know, it's funny because when you look at things like uh, uh, Thomas Locke and a lot of these people who are uh, famous uh, philosophers and people who, you know, kind of were, that's what they did. They just wrote a couple of Essays, or they wrote a couple of newsletters, and the name literally they founded America based off of these ideas, right? And so, you know, the ideas are the important part because, um, man, I heard this very, very powerful quote, and I'm going to botch it. But um, the quote was um, The only things that last forever are invisible because energy cannot be cre- created or destroyed, it's invisible. And so, because of that, ideas last forever, and they can't be created nor destroyed. And so, because, and that's like, it was like, oh, when I heard that, like such an aha moment. (laughs) Because, because I think, you know, as I I look at success, Mm -hmm. and what has made me successful, uh, to the degree that I'm successful, you know? And and why, why do I say that? Because people, you got to really look at where you came from, right? You got to look at where you started. Mm-hmm. My, my parents migrated here to the US and after them migrating here to the US, they didn't have parental guidance and support. And when I think back about it, they were in their 20s, right? And then, you know, unfortunately, they ended up passing away. And so basically, I'm like, near I wasn't in foster care but I literally live with friends I just live with friends or people people who are friends of my parents and so the thing is for me to you know be able to you know again own a home have a business a steady income to not be you know excuse my language but you know batshit crazy you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying is like that's a miracle in itself and then even the reunification of my family that's a miracle in itself. And, you know, the fact that I'm a functioning adult and um, is like, hey, those are miracles in themselves. So oftentimes, you know, we think about this, like walk on water stuff. And it's like, no, it's the fact that, it's the fact that, you know, the the, the stress and the, um, and the uh, uh, tragedies of life don't get into you, right? Mm-hmm. They happen to you, but they don't happen in you. Right.
0: Mm. And the
1: thing is you having power, um, over those things and, and to, to, to walk in authority and walk in power. I think those things are some of like the most beautiful things and, and to be able to, to, um, um, congeal that or put that together and then share it mm-hmm. with other people. I think those things are, are really powerful. Uh, and, and everybody should aim to kind of get their story together and, and then share their story with other people. And then, uh, like I like to say is I tell my story to hopefully impact your story. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it does when you and I first met, I feel like we were just like going fireworks, like, Oh my God, yes. Oh my God. Yes. Like just ideas are popping left and right. And as I'm hearing you tell your story, once again, and even share a little bit more about other things or other aspects in your life. I feel like one of your, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the values or one of the pillars in your life would be mentorship. And it makes me wonder, where does that come from? Was that something that, you know, you saw at home? Was that something that was valued by your parents? Was that just something that it was like, hey, if I'm going to have to If I need to, if I want to make it in this country or in this place, in this environment, I'm going to have to seek help. So I generally wonder where does that come from?
1: Yeah, I think, um, like I said, I've always been a vicarious learner. And so I'm a people watcher by nature. And so typically if I go out, you know, I'll get there and I'll start settling in. And then I'll just start people watching. It's like, and so I'm like, I I wonder why this person is doing that. I wonder why this person is doing doing that. And so uh, my time in the military, that's kind of where some of the groundwork was laid because, you know, as um, uh, coming from football is all about teamwork and in the military, you know, it's all about what they call having a battle buddy, you know, somebody you. You basically go to war with, and you you literally go to you know, you'd be in a battle with because the way that the military is structured is the the smallest possible team is mm-hmm. two people, right? That's the mm-hmm. smallest possible team because, like, even if you have a sniper, you're going to have a person who's kind of watching his, you know, uh, uh, basically watching a range and different type of things like that. So the smallest possible unit is usually two, right? Um, and so then you go up to a squad, right, which a squad could be like five people, right, or five to 10, you know, depending on the size of your unit. And then it kind of goes up from there. And so the thing is, oftentimes there's a there's kind of like this camaraderie of like, hey, let me show you how things are done, you know, in the military, which uh, which is kind of, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood. And and so I was able to learn some things from some guys there because, uh, uh, again, they were slightly older and Growing up where I grew up, there wasn't a lot of uh, male influence, I should mm. say, because my, because my dad had passed and I lived with my my best friend's family and it was basically his aunts. So his three aunts, we kind of, we me, me and him, because his mom had passed away when he was mm-hmm. a kid. And so, well, yeah, when he was like way younger before we even met. And so, you know, we had bonded uh, cause he was like, I think I was one of the first Nigerian kids he had met coming, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to Houston. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, yeah, so, so, so that whole vicarious process, I seen that over and over and over again, where I could take information from this person and then take information from that person and then take, and then I could kind of put it together, especially when I didn't have a purpose and vision for myself. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the, in the onset, it was just like, I don't want what happened to that person to happen to me. Yeah. Right. And then it moved from like, Hey, that person is doing something cool. I would love to do what that person is doing or accomplish what that person accomplished. And then, you know, again, it just kind of grew, grew into this place of like, okay, now that I have my own purpose, um, you need people who you can kind of go through life with. But at the same time, that you can learn from. So I, I always try to, you know, hang around people who are older than me, ten or fifteen years older than me. Uh, I work in healthcare, and so um, I get a chance, or I have gotten a chance, to um, work with a lot of elderly people. And so mm-hmm. I ask them about like life, because I'm, I'm, I just kind of like love life. And so uh, these people have experienced life in so many different ways. Um, and so it's just interesting to hear their stories as well.
0: So. Yeah. Even you sharing that, I feel like, again, you seek mentorship. This is something that you, I don't know if, if it's a subconscious doing or a conscious doing, but it's something that I continue to hear throughout your journey. Like you, you want to yeah. seek mentorship. You want to seek advice or even some guidance. Like, how do I go about this? How do I do it? And that's something that not... I feel like a lot of us, especially I'm going to say in this country, struggle with because it's like, oh, let me do it. I, I can do it on my own. I'm a bit like I'm just going to go head on and then see where life takes me, you know.
1: So, yeah. So so good Good question, good points and kind of question that's couched in there is like, um, so, like I said, I kind of studied what people did to be successful. And a, a lot of that was through observation. But then it was also through, um, when you think about uh, Plato, Plato had a student, his student was Socrates, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Socrates had a student, and I forgot what Socrates' student, student's name was. Um, but when you look through life, there's always kind of this understudy, who's kind mm-hmm. of sitting in the, in the wings, who's learning. Mm-hmm right and if you think about like like again i'm i'm the person who's like studied the academic system from way way back like mm-hmm. the way that um the way that uh you know people used to learn was uh and this this is greco roman culture if you look at if you look at other cultures they did it different ways like they would have these fireside chats like um if you're if you if you're you know mean and nigerian is tribal literally the kids mm-hmm. would sit around the elders and and the elders would just tell them oral tradition stories, right? Mm. And then that's how they used to learn. So you might have uh you know 10 kids and they're sitting around, you know, their elders and then they're learning oral tradition, right? If you, if you uh especially like if you look at Native Americans, anybody who's from like a tribal background, well, if mm-hmm. you look at like Greco-Roman background, they had uh the stadiums and what those stadiums were for before, before they turned into like the Coliseums and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They were for orators, and what would happen is, like, a a person who's like a famous orator or philosopher would come to town, and then people would pay to go to the, like the little stadium to hear them mm-hmm. talk, and so they would give a speech, right, and then they would collect their little money, and then they, uh, my kids, my kids are up, uh, they would collect their little money, and. Um, And then they'd go about uh, giving giving their speech. And then that's how people would learn from each other, right? Before we had these formal colleges and universities and different types of things like that. And so to me, I think it's very very, uh, kind of essential and basic to being human is to learn from others rather than learn from the structure. Now, the other part is in America, you know, and just kind of Western uh, culture, is, you know, you learn from the institution and and that's the most respected thing is getting this degree and all this other stuff. And, and I think that, um, don't get me wrong, there is a space for that, especially if you look at the historical timeline of how it came into being, there's space for that, but it does not diminish the informal education that you get from others.
0: That's something that I don't struggle with, but I am going to say I've had challenges with, in the sense that um, it's so easy for my mom. I mean, my mom is a businesswoman. My mom has, mm. she knows the ins and outs. And she, oh man, she always says to this day, she's like, you went, but I already went and came. Like I already did circles around you. Like I already did this and that. And so it, it was really hard for me. And sometimes it still is to receive that advice, to receive the guidance from my own mom, but I can receive it from I am open to receiving it from others. I think one of the biggest things I've learned about myself is that approach matters, right? Um, the way that I seek mentorship or the way I seek guidance or advice, um, it's going to matter to me the more based on the approach. Now it can come from a good place And, and, and the intention might be the best. The intention might be there, especially obviously with parents. Um, it's just, it's really hard sometimes. And whenever you it, say, you know, listen, l- listening to elders and listening, it's, it's, it's hard. And I don't know if it's because somewhere deep in me, I'm like, no, I'm going to do it my way. No matter what you tell me, I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to like run into the wall and I'm going to like fuck everything up, but I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to figure it out. And then I mess up or something doesn't happen as planned. And I come back and I'm like, you were right. You were right. I learned my lesson. And now let's do it your way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So part of that is the American ideology of uh, rustic individualism. Right. So the whole thing was like, you know, uh, the, you know, again, this is really distorted in some history books. But basically, when people came over, primarily European people, and they said, hey, we need to kind of take over this land. What they would do, the government would do is they'd, they'd give these land grants and they would say, hey, in order to settle this area, it, um, we're going to, you know, we're going to sell the land for 25 cents an acre, even though it's Native American land and all that other stuff. Oh, and then or sometimes they would just say, if you're if you're a Caucasian, we're just going to give you the land. You get yeah. 100 acres. Just go over there and you get 100 acres. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, when you went out there and you had that 100 acres, 100 acres is a big piece of land, right? Yeah. Um, what would happen is basically you had to survive on your own. And so you'd go and build your house and you'd, you know, do all this other stuff basically by yourself. And so in order to settle that land, this kind of idea of rugged individualism, you know, how the West was one kind of came into play. And so you have these funny things, which, which again, I, you know, like I said, I learned from, I learned from people. So, um, uh, working in healthcare, I w- learned from, uh, I work with two 104 year old people. Right. And so I always ask them, the older they are, what is your earliest memory? And so this one lady said, oh, when the Indians came and all the men grabbed their shotguns to you know, protect us from the Indians. Right. So this is like this was like Three years ago, I had this conversation. (laughs) Yeah, this is like three years ago. So um, so the thing is, like, people would live in this in these areas. And again, you'd have Indians coming, you'd have animals. And so this whole idea of like American rugged individualism kind of played out. Well, the thing is, for me, on a personal level, it was like, I don't have parents to fall back on. Mm -hmm. So I got to get it right whenever I make a move. And that made me like ultra cautious. Mm -hmm. And so like, let me get as many viewpoints as I can before mm-hmm. I make a move. Right. And then that way, again, I'm not looking for their approval. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I think approval is one thing versus perspective. Right. And so yeah. it's like, okay, I'm, I don't have the widest perspective. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So let me broaden my perspective by getting as many viewpoints and opinions as possible. Now the the big thing is if they're good at that thing, now you're really cooking, right? Because it's a, it's a shortcut. You see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a life shortcut to say, okay, I'm going to make this move. Let me ask five people who I value their opinion mm-hmm. what they think about this move. And then let me go make the move. Because but you're, in that seeking, way,
0: you're seeking perspective, not approval.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're seeking perspective, not approval. Because I'm going to do what I'm going to do, right? Um, and, and ultimately, I'm the one who has to own it at the end of the day, right? Like mm-hmm. whatever is going on, I got to own it. And so, again, I don't need your approval. I need your perspective so I can make the best possible decision. Uh, so I'm not uh, wasting time, energy, money, things like that.
0: Oh, my God. That just like it, it, it took me somewhere because and it's something I keep repeating to myself right now. I'm, I'm looking for your perspective. I'm not looking for your approval because in a lot of my own personal instances and experiences, I seek approval.
1: Mm, mm, mm.
0: Especially from my mom, to be honest. Mm, Especially from my mm. mom, or even from people who I like, I, I really value their opinions um or even their advice. And I feel like distinguishing where am I, and not for them, but for me. Like, hey, I'm going to go talk to this person, but where are you coming from? Are you trying to seek for their approval or are you trying to seek for the perspe- perspective? Because when I, and I'm doing real time, Processing right now. If I am seeking for someone's approval, that's going to lead for me into resentment because mm, you're going to mm. give me and you're going to give me advice that it's not aligned with what I really want. Mm. But I'm not doing what I really want because I want to do what you want so I can get your approval. Does that make sense?
1: Yo, yeah, hundred percent. And that's that's the funny thing is that that I've kind of had to learn is like. At the end of the day, you have to own it, whatever it is. And, and a lot of people, <laughs> when a lot of people, they don't, they, they, a lot of people skirt around that, right? They don't want the full responsibility. And since they don't want the full responsibility, they'll yes. be like, yo, I'm going to do yes. what you said. And yes. then I can yes. blame you yes. once it's up. You see what you told talk- me? And the yes. reality, the reality is, is that the reality is that nobody has to live with your decisions except for you. You got to live with your decisions. And so the thing is, and even if somebody gave you advice, their perspective is going to be totally different and shaded, and 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 um, it's going to be totally separate from where you're really trying to go. Especially if yeah. you like have a message in you and you're trying to get something big done, you know. So the thing is, you 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 weigh it in to say, okay, I value your opinion because I respect you for whatever reasons I respect you for, but I'm not looking for approval. I'm looking just for perspective and then let me go ahead and do something. So, um, and we're going to get back to Yes, uh, because I, I really, I really want to talk about kind of the next phase of that, which is, uh, being, knowing, doing right. And so being is about character values and principles. And so this was kind of, again, this is going into version two, And it's also in our app that we're we're, uh, making for, for lesson planning, because I think these are critical conversations that if people have these conversations, often enough, it changes the trajectory of your life, you know? And so being is about character values, principles. Knowing is about what resources are available and how to use them. And then doing is executing with excellence. And so the thing is, regardless of where a person is in life, whatever race, gender, um, You're going to have to do those things. You're going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to be. It's there's no it's if you're living and there's a difference between existing and living. Right. If you're living, truly living an authentic life, you're going to have to have your own character values and principles. And those are things that, again, you pick up from other people along the way. Mm -hmm. Right. Through mentorship, through family, different types of things like that. But then again, there's there's knowing what resources are available and how to use them. And oftentimes that's where I feel like we as minorities uh, get stuck. You know, uh, people who are first gen college grads and stuff like that, we get stuck because we don't know what's out there. And oftentimes that's like the hidden secret is like, I don't tell them what's out there. Like, Mm -hmm. like, especially this move right now of like business ownership and entrepreneurship. um, It's a it's a move for different reasons. But for a lot of minorities, this is like actually the the the, the gateway that nobody knew about mm-hmm. that. Like, wait a second. You know, even as a sole proprietor business, you could generate six figures. You know what I'm saying? You could mm-hmm. you could have a little car wash and wash people's cars outside their, their house. Um, and you could say, hey, look, I, I go door to door and I wash cars for, you know, let's say thirty dollars a car. Well, once you sit down and you start doing the math and you say, wait a second. So let's say it takes me an hour to wash a car. And if I do five cars a day, I just do five hours of work a day. I can make $150 a day. So if I make $150 a day and if I work five days a week, I can make, what is that? Uh, you're, in math. you're in math. This is what, $750 mm-hmm, $7. like a week or something. 7 Yeah,
0: I was about yeah to say like so it's like $750
1: $7. a week. So if, so, you're telling me if I can make $1,500 every two weeks and I only work five hours a day washing cars for myself, why would I go get somebody's job where they're breathing down my neck? and? You know, uh, having to deal with a lot of BS. Now, don't get me wrong. It takes a a different level of responsibility to go find those customers and to, to do those different types of things. But these are things that oftentimes, you know, minorities have the gumption to do, but don't have the knowledge to do. And they don't know what resources are available and how to use them. And so the thing is, you know, we'll be driving and we'll see, you know, the person selling their elote or the person who's washing the windshields. And, you know, in in our American mind, we'll say they don't have a normal job. But Mm -hmm. that guy who's washing the windshields has a lot more freedom then the person who has to go clock in, right, and get yelled at and cussed at. And in some instances, if you have a really horrible manager or just talked down to as if you're not educated, you know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. the that's the thing that would be pissing me off like more than anything is you go to these jobs. <laughs> no, for real, that would be pissing me off more than anything. You go to these jobs and and then, you know. Okay, you have one more degree than me. That doesn't mean you, you're more well-read than I am. That mm-hmm. just means you got more formal education than me. That's all that means. Mm-hmm. And just because you got one more degree or certificate than me, again, that doesn't. You might have uh, more expertise in one particular area, but that doesn't mean you're more well-read than me. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean you've, you've even studied more than I have. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, they'll meet me and they'll be like. Oh, I thought you had a Ph.D. or you had a master's degree. No, I got an associate's from a community college and I got a bachelor's. HBU uh, is a great school, but um, I got a bachelor's from HBU. But the thing is, I, I read in a variety of areas. Mm-hmm. I, I like to interact with people. I learn a lot from other people. And so um, those things become a credit not only to me, but to other people who can benefit you know what i mean so like mm-hmm. again I, I i love cleo i gotta give a shout out to cleo i gotta give a shout out to olay right like these are these are like my my uncle's brothers you know what my, my uh roadies as we as we're building and success and so um again just getting those different perspectives uh helped me to make uh uh next decisions in life and so to me i i, I think yeah get get their get their get their perspective not their not their approval because you have to live with you got to live with it at the end of the day, right? And so, uh, so yeah. So
0: tell me, when does this volume two come out for LYS? When is this next that, phase?
1: That is a good question. Okay, so so let me explain, because uh, hopefully some educators are listening because I need y'all to hop on this app, <laughs> okay? So where we're at right now is um, um, we just hired some salespeople to get out and sell, sell the app, and we've gotten uh, the majority of our lesson planning done and so let me kind of describe to the listeners kind of what it is we're doing and so Mm -hmm. uh, again through through kind of my personal hardship and writing the book realizing like hey you know anybody could be successful if they follow a few key steps right and that is being knowing doing and then those seven different areas i mentioned before right Mm -hmm. be no do educational be no do vocational and right, so there's these different areas where you have to be know and do. And so what we said was we want to change the world. Again, we wanna we wanna transform uh people's lives. And so we put together a lesson planning app that has supplemental learning resources, already made lesson plans that align with the Texas teaks. And mm-hmm. um, and so by doing that, we've implemented probably the most relevant um transformational curriculum that's out there because it's a character-based supplemental learning material, right? But at the same time, it talks about financial literacy. It talks about um, how to manage your emotions in SEL. It talks about how to uh, have good judgment, right? Um, Because the thing is, these things are important, right? Um, And so we, we combine that in a way that teachers are able to save 30 to 50 percent of their lesson planning time on average. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, again, the the, the, the app um, helps to auto generate assignments uh, based off of the lesson plan. So, uh, again, you could come in and you can get one of our, our, our lessons and then you could augment it. You could change it however you want. Right. Mm-hmm. You could add, subtract, um, whatever you want in there. And then when you go to make an assignment for your students, it kind of auto generates and so you could actually differentiate learning a lot more for your individual students. So instead of you saying, "Okay, I got to make a worksheet for this person," I got to just make one worksheet and then make changes to that same worksheet. So you could truly uh, augment all your um, all your uh, assignments for your students. And then because differentiated learning is just not happening, right? Uh, as much as people want to say it is, it's just really not because teachers don't have the time. Well, if we save them 30 to 50 percent of their time, then now you got the time, right? Yeah. And and it's all gonna be aligned, right? The the lessons, the assignments, everything's gonna be aligned. And so that's what we've done. And so now we're moving into a phase of really getting it out to the public. Um, it's kind of been it's kind of been slow going because again, I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm learning and uh, you know, nobody tells you, hey, yo, this is what you do as a CEO. Like, even <laughs> if you do watch videos, shout out to Y Combinator, watch the Y Combinator videos. That's a shortcut right there. They have like 80 hours of education, business education in terms of launching so, apps and all that. Let stuff. me
0: ask you, is there a, is there a, like a trial for teachers to test out?
1: So absolutely. We're starting off with a seven day trial for free. So, so get that first, couple of lesson plans in there for free and then we're doing a buy one get one trial in which you pay twenty dollars and then the next month is on us right Mm -hmm. and so um so then that way if you're still trying it out and you're like i'm not sure i want to spend 12.99 a month then then yeah that's that's kind of how we're doing it the first seven days free and then and then uh buy one get one after that and so again for a lot of people think oh man you you're You know, you're an app and all this other stuff. And so you must have a lot of money and things should be free for teachers. Well, unfortunately, um, I've had to make deep personal sacrifices in order to make this happen. Right. You know, all this talk about, oh, there's all this funding available. I don't see it because everything I've applied for, I I probably apply for 20, 30 different grants and, uh, you know, accelerator this and, and funding this. And it's all, it's all been denied. Right. Yeah. And so um, as much as people want to talk about like, oh yeah, black equity and stuff like that, when you go to those companies, they're in it for the money. And the thing is, they're not in it for the change. And, um, and so, yeah, I've had to take out from my, from my life savings to do this. Right. And so, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to get on anybody or rag on anybody, no, of but, course. but the thing is, it's like, it's like, if this you is believe the reality. In something, yeah, this is the reality, right? That 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 a lot of times they don't want to talk about, or they don't talk mm-hmm. about, right? And and this is the thing. What happens is, what happens is, is that um, kind of the unspoken secret is this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm about to throw out some juice right now. Okay, Do anybody it. who has drop it. anybody who has like an idea or whatever. This is some juice. This is what'll happen. People want to see you build to a point where it's pretty much semi-sustainable on its own. Right. Mm -hmm. So that means you either have enough customers or you have enough revenue to where it's semi sustainable. And then this is what ends up happening. A lot of people will go apply for Amazon uh, for startups or Google for startups or Microsoft for startups because, hey, they fund my idea and they get behind my idea. Right. But what a lot of people don't understand is for these mega companies, you're actually competition to them. So when you look at Google for education and why they want all of their their, you know, Google certified teachers, right, is what they're doing is they're they're preconditioning the teachers as to what they're going to accept and what they won't accept. And so what that means is then as a as a as a startup, you have a new innovative idea and Google says, wow, that's a great idea. Amazon, all these big companies, this is what they do. They say, wow, that's a great idea we don't want to be in competition with this person. So we'll give them some money early. Mm-hmm. So then that way we have the idea and we have a say in what goes and what doesn't go. And you could go look up articles on this. No, of course. So if the idea is really good and they don't like you, they will just copy your idea and then they'll let you go and they'll say, oh, no, we're just not going to go with this. The other, The other side of it is is that they will go with your idea but then they'll change it to again their benefit mm-hmm. and again oftentimes people are just happy to see my ideas living google believed in me such and such believed in me but the thing is that's not always the best route it just it just really isn't just being being honest and so yeah. the thing is the other side of this is when you go to the venture capitalists right and the mm-hmm. different those different entities, right? Is they're in it for the money. So what they do is they say, "Oh well, yeah, we see that you know Johnny's idea is gonna it's it, it has the potential to go to a billion dollars. So we're gonna put money behind the idea, not because we believe in the idea or anything like that. We just want to get the billion dollars, right? And so, and so this is the this is the real cold part of the game, okay? The IPO, because what ends up happening with a lot of these. Even look at the billionaires, right? Mm-hmm. Go and do your research on this, okay? If you look at the hey, hold on, let me real quick. You're good. So even if you look at um, even if you look at like the billionaires, they their the majority of their wealth is stock in their companies, mm-hmm. right? And so what ends up happening is this is they have their idea they front load it with the venture capitalists and everybody says, okay, we're going to put a bunch of money behind this. And then after they put all the money behind it, they make the idea sound amazing, right? As flawed as it might be, they make it sound amazing. Peloton, yeah, yeah. Peloton, Peloton. <laughs> and you're like, wow. Yeah. A bike. And they're like, it's not about the bike. It's about the community. Wait a second. If I'm on a bike in my house where's the community at why don't i do like what we do in houston you'll go be riding and you'll see 150 people riding a bike at the same time that's community right but then peloton will just put this idea oh yeah we got the best trainers and we got the best this, and the best that and they put all this money behind even though it's a stupid idea it's just stupid right it really is and then what they do is after that Everybody thinks it's a good idea because I heard it so much. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they just use the law of repetition. If -hmm. you hear it enough times, you'll think it's true. And then what they do is they say, hey, we IPO. So now you could get in on Peloton and everybody thinks it's an amazing company. But really what they do when they IPO is they issue so many shares that they can take money off the table now. And what that means is anybody who put in money early, they now put that money back in their pockets and they still hold on to some shares. So now all of their original money that they put in is not at risk. Plus, some, they've made a bunch of money and And then everybody else's money. And, And exactly. So it's other people's money. That's how they get rich. And see, the thing is, this is the cold game that, again, a lot of people don't really look at. So So to me as entrepreneurs and and that's why I like the space that we're in, because you've got to really think critically. And if you don't, you know, I this is something I used to tell my sisters and uh, as I was kind of basically being dad brother was if you're swimming with sharks, you better swim fast. OK, and so the thing <laughs> is, this is this is where it is now. you got to be yeah. critical in the way that you think um, you have to be um very um savvy in the way that you think about even these companies is that a really really good idea or are they just trying to pitch something right Yeah. um like even uber uber's uber's a fair idea because of the fact that it gives people an option on making money if you want to say hey look i just you know I got a car uh, and now you don't even have to have a car because they have the the car rental companies that you could just rent a car from. I got a driver's Mm -hmm. license, I got a way, you know, and that's kind of a very basic skill. Right. Yeah. You you know, drive from point A to point B and have a driver's license. Right. And so things like that, they're going to be around. They're going to have longevity. You know what I mean? But the thing is, all of this stuff that's coming out, some of it isn't really great ideas. It sounds great on paper. Um, You know, you get really enthusiastic people who sound good, but the thing is, at least in in my experience and the way that I've seen things, tell me and show me where in the last five or 10 years, people have really gotten behind a minority-owned startup and then said, okay, we're going to really push this thing. There's not a bunch of examples of it.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm I'm even trying to think of of some and yeah it's it's hard to come up with with a list of a few startups with that
1: but yeah. N- name, name 10 it's yeah. you you really can't now don't get me wrong i'm not saying it's not out there like like again i'm a i'm a fan of y combinator i like their format and y combinator has really done some pretty amazing things the mm-hmm. way that that they've done they've done things and and they and they back minorities and don't get me wrong uh uh sputnik and austin they're kind of doing some of the similar things as y combinator they kind of formatted themselves
0: i think devink in austin and in houston also focuses on like um people of color startups people of color
1: minority based startups yeah, yeah minority
0: yeah. based startups
1: and and so th- that's the thing um and, and no, no shade on the or anything like that, because again, I'm not trying to throw sh- shade on them, but what they're bringing to the table versus what a Peter Thiel did for Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, I'm, I, again, I'm one of those people who studies this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. if you look at it, uh, Peter Thiel just did a deal with Elon Musk with PayPal and eBay, Right. Mm -hmm. So they sold PayPal and eBay to to, they they sold PayPal to eBay. Mm -hmm. Right. So they had a bunch of cash. So then guess what? He comes and drops a half a million dollars on Mark Zuckerberg for Facebook when Facebook had a a handful of users and wasn't making any money. So how many is giving people a half a million dollars? I highly, highly, highly doubt it. You (laughs) see what I'm saying? They're 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 doing. They're doing small cohorts of ten dollars to $25,000. Sometimes if it's really, really stupendous, maybe you get a quarter million, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to be out of this world stupendous. And there's only a handful of those, yeah. you know what I mean? And like I said, you know, and we're talking five years now. Think about th- this past, pretty much, especially since the pandemic started, business and startups have grown tremendously. Oh absolutely. I think, I think it's I think it's like uh three hundred percent or something like that year over year. And so um why don't we see more of this? And to me, I think that's I think that's problematic in 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 my opinion. I think it's really problematic.
0: I think that may be your next uh tackle on you know mentorship okay. with startups that you know LYS and somewhere in the startup community. But it sounds like LYS is on to big and great things um can you share please with the listeners where they can find more information on, on LYS Laddering your
1: success A- absolutely thank you so much for asking so www.ladderingyoursuccess.com teachers especially if you're an educator and you're listening to this and you're like hmm that sounded really really interesting www.ladderingyoursuccess.com slash teachers we're also on instagram uh, be no do underscore L Y S be no do underscore L Y S. And you could uh, join us on Instagram, uh, uh, and, and follow us there, see our content on also Facebook. On LinkedIn. Just, co- correct. On LinkedIn, we're just laddering your success on LinkedIn. We're laddering your success on Facebook. So, uh, definitely, um, you can, you can find out, uh, more there.
0: No, thank you, Festus. Well, let's go ahead and move on into the lightning round of questions. All right.
1: Let me pull up the questions. I'm I'm ready. You ready? Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: So the first one says, in one word, success to me means?
1: Uh, Success to me means uh, living a life that honors God and helping build leaders. Oh, one word. That's one sentence. No, Uh, you're fine. (laughs) Hey, hey, you're good. You're good. People have like Uh, giving me
0: one word and then they end up giving me like a whole paragraph. So it's all good. Yeah, yeah. We can do it whatever you want it to be.
1: So so I I can say I can say uh, (laughs) either honor or integrity. Either one of those.
0: Success to me means honor
1: or integrity. I love that.
0: All right. Moving on. Number two. I want to continue learning about
1: I want to continue learning about uh, business. Um, I think it's such a broad uh, thing. Um, and, um, and there's different ways of doing it. And so you just have to kind of, again, um, you kind of have to know what you're getting into.
0: Oh, man, it's not that true. Number three, connection equals... Success. Ah, I love that. I feel like you're the third person that has said that. Connection equals success. I love it. Um, number four, the funniest person I know is...
1: Uh, ole, Olanka Shronke. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and finally, number five, a rare gem in my life is...
1: Um... I I would say I would say my faith in in Christ, because that has led to everything that I've ever I mean, everything of substance to me, I think that's led to like every single thing of substance, the people of substance, you know, the the work of substance, um, like just things that really matter and have purpose and meaning. So.
0: Bestest! it has been an honor to talk to you this morning, this Saturday morning. I've never done one early this early in the morning, but it's just nice to to start off the day with a conversation on faith, on family, on ideas, to connect with someone. Um, so thank yeah. you so much for taking this time and enjoying me in this conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's really an honor and a pleasure, you know, when people... And ask you to do things like this. It's like, um, it's just, it's like, wow, me, <laughs> you know? And so thank you so much for having me.
0: No, of course. We'll have to talk soon again. Absolutely. All right. Bye. All right, bye.